Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring, Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, you pilgrims, be joyful and sing, Jesus is coming again. This is the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Coming again, coming again, Jesus is coming again. From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration and music, transcribed with the King's Heralds, Del Delker, Brad Braley, and HMS Richards, the Voice of Prophecy speaker. This is the Christmas season, and to start off this program, the King's Heralds bring us their arrangement of O Come, All Ye Faithful. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come, ye, O come, ye to Father in heaven, we do adore thee and honor thee and praise thy name for thy mercies which are new every day. Bless the broadcast of the voice of prophecy in Jesus' name. the 
heart of God. Mm-hmm. O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who bow before Thee, near to the heart of God. Our musical guests today are four young men from Oakwood College at Huntsville, Alabama. From the vast store of spirituals, they bring a medley of There Was No Room in the Inn and Plenty Good Room in My Father's Kingdom, the Cathedral Quartet. There was no room in the inn for Jesus, my Lord. There was no room in the end for him. But if you heed his dear call, there'll be room for us all in the There's room enough, room enough in the heaven for me. My Lord says there's room enough. Don't stay away. Don't stay away, brother. Don't stay away, sister. Don't stay away, my Lord. Don't stay away. 
there's plenty good room, plenty good room, plenty good room in my father's kingdom, plenty good room. Plenty good room, just choose your seat and sit down. Because there's plenty good room, plenty good room, plenty good room in my father's kingdom. Plenty good room, plenty good room, just choose your seat and sit down. I would not be a backslider, oh, I'll tell you the reason why. Yes, I'm afraid my Lord might call me, and I wouldn't be ready to die. Because there's plenty good room. Plenty good room, plenty good room in my father's kingdom. Plenty good room, plenty good room, just choose your seat sit down. I would not be a sinner, I'll tell you the reason why. I'm said my Lord might call me, and I wouldn't be ready to die. Because there's plenty good room, plenty good room, a good room in my father's kingdom. Plenty good room. Plenty good room, just choose your seat and sit down. Because there's plenty good room, plenty good room, a good room in my father's kingdom. Plenty good room, plenty good room, just choose your seat and sit down. There was no room indeed for Jesus, my Lord. There was no room in the end for him. But if you heed his dear call, there'll be room for us all in the place. He's prepared for you. Thank you, Cathedral Quartet. Here now to continue his series on What Jesus Said is H.M.S. Richards, the voice of prophecy speaker. His subject, What Jesus Said About Salvation. What Jesus said is important. One of our leading modern religious teachers started across the street one day when a woman suddenly pulled him by the arm and said, Look at that red light. He replied, But look at the people going across the street. The woman said, Don't look at the people. Look at the light. Follow it. And that was good advice. Are we taking our walking signals in this world from Christ or from the crowd? We read his words in Luke 19, 9-10. This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Our Savior says two things here. First, something is lost. Second, he came to save it. We might add that wherever he comes, salvation comes, for he is salvation. He brings it. According to much of our modern philosophy today, nothing ever was lost. If there were no fall, no loss, certainly, we would not need to be saved from that loss and would need no Savior. But here we have the plain positive statement from our Lord that he himself is the Savior, and that he brings salvation and saves that which was lost. 
There's something wrong with this world of ours, with this race of ours. Men call it by various names, but the Holy Scripture calls it sin. It's a dis-ease of the mind and of the heart, and the only power of God, and only the power of God, too, can deliver a man from it. This Jesus came to do. He came to seek and save that which was lost. That's why he was called Jesus. The angel who announced his birth said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus for, or because, he shall save his people from their sins. Matthew 1.21 The name Jesus really means Savior. And here are his own words on the subject. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everybody knows John 3.16, or they ought to know it. One day the snow lay white over the earth, hiding every scar and sign of death. It's a symbol of purity, said the man who looked out of the window. And he prayed, O Lord, as thou hast covered the earth with whiteness, cover my soul with purity. The sun came up the next day, the snow melted. The brown barrenness of the dead earth with all its waste and defilement showed again. So he who had prayed to be covered with purity mended his prayer. Now his petition was, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Psalm 51.10 Purity is no covering. It's a new life within, and salvation includes that. A prominent man who came to Jesus for a night interview was told, Except a man be born again, or born from above, as the margin has it, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3, verse 3. This new birth, this birth from above, is a birth of water and of the Spirit. And Jesus made it emphatic, he must be born again. That's verse 7. How will this happen? How can it happen? Asked a learned man. How can it happen? Yes, We'll ask the same question. The answer is found in Jesus' own words immediately following. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Someone may ask, did he really take our place in order to ransom us from our sins? Here are his own words in Matthew 20, verse 28 in which he makes it stronger still. He says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. That's plain and clear, isn't it? He came with one great purpose, to give his life for others. Remember, a ransom is a price paid to redeem a captive or a slave. Christ came then to pay the price demanded for our sin. The scripture plainly says that the wages of sin is death. We read that in Romans 6.23. That's why he had to die for us. He had to take our place before a broken law. We who are captives through our own willfulness and disobedience, captives of sin are bought back, ransomed, delivered, saved by the blood of the cross. Christ died for our sins. That's the foundation stone of our salvation. Everything rests upon that fact. The Apostle Paul, who received the true understanding of salvation by direct revelation from Christ himself, said the very same thing. Listen to his words, recorded here in 1 Corinthians 15, 3. 
For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Our Savior said much about salvation. Of himself, he said, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. John 10, verse 11. As he hung upon the cross, someone said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. That's Matthew twenty-seven forty-two, And that was true. He could not save us without a suffering. He could not save us without death, his death. And he voluntarily took our place. God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, verse 8. As the theologians put it, his death was penal, substitutionary, redemptive, propitiatory, reconciliatory, efficacious, vicarious, and atoning. Those are big words, but they all represent truth. Here's the way Jesus puts it through his prophet. As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. There it is in plain English, Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. Not the least of our Savior's statements is found here in Mark 16, 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved but he that believeth not shall be damned. Notice, here is a direct command to God's people. They are to go, to go everywhere, preaching and proclaiming. What? The gospel, the good news. What is that good news? The good news that God gave his son to die for men, that all might be saved in him. That's really good news too. Do we believe it? That's the question. We repeat Christ's words, He that believeth and is baptized, that manifests faith by baptism, which pictures the death and resurrection of the Savior, and his own death to the old life and resurrection to the new, shall be saved. These are straight, clear words. Do we believe? Have we acted on that belief and obeyed the gospel? Baptism is one step in obedience, as we read in the words of the Savior here in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Notice, teaching goes first, then belief. Those who are taught and those who believe as a result of the teaching are baptized. As one looks upon the Holy Savior dying for his sins, he is led not only into faith and obedience, but repentance. Jesus said, Except ye repent, he shall all likewise perish, reading Luke 13, 3. True repentance involves a sense of sin, sorrow for it, separation from it by the grace and power of God. A false repentance may cause one to be sorry for the effect of his sin. That was the repentance of Judas. He repented and went and hanged himself through remorse. But the apostle Peter, probably equally guilty, for he had denied his Lord, repented wept bitterly, and went to the great victory of Pentecost. He did a mighty work for God, finally died as a martyr for Christ. Peter's was a true repentance. Real repentance was taught by Jesus, and it's a right about face, a turning away from evil, a turning toward good. You remember the parable of Jesus in Matthew 21, the parable of the man who had two sons? To the first he said, go out in the vineyard and work today. The boy said, all right, I go, sir. 
Then the father turned to the other boy, spoke the same words, and he answered, I will not. However, after he said that, he thought it over and changed his mind. He was not only convinced that he was wrong, but he did something about it. He went off into the fields, hoeing or mowing or whatever it was that needed to be done. This is Jesus' own illustration of repentance. When a man says, by the grace of God, I'll change my ways, I'll cease doing wrong, I'll do right, that's repentance, a turning about. Those who hear the call of Christ, who believe in him, accept him as their Savior from sin, and repent, and obey him in baptism, and all things whatsoever he has taught, have a duty, a lifelong, worldwide duty to perform. What is it? Jesus said, ye shall receive power, and ye shall be witnesses unto me unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Acts 1, verse 8. While salvation is not fully completed until the redeemed are in Christ's kingdom of glory, his saving power begins to do its glorious supernatural work right here and now. And people see the difference in those who have been redeemed. Two brothers convicted of stealing sheep in the old days of England were, according to the brutal punishment of that time, branded in the forehead with the letters S.T., sheep thief. One brother, unable to bear the stigma, fled to a foreign country where he stayed to hide himself. He wandered from land to land, at last died full of bitterness, and was buried in a forgotten grave. But the other stayed right there and lived the thing down until he won the respect of everybody. People forgot the old sin, the old crime, until one day someone asked a villager, what does that man have those letters on his forehead for? Well, he said, it happened a long time ago. I've forgotten the particulars. But I think the letters are abbreviated for saint. There it is. The wonderful grace of God in the penitent, believing heart transforms a man until the scars of sin become badges of honor and beauty. And so we may be Christ's witnesses today and forever. Oh.
all junior boys and girls and everyone listening today, we say, remember to keep looking up and let us go forward in faith. Have faith in God and in His saving grace. Have faith in God, through life His purpose trace. Have faith in God, at last to see His face. Have faith, dear friend, in God. We hope this transcribed program of ours has brought blessing to you today. Be with us again next week for another broadcast brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy. The holiday season is here. Why not remember the voice of prophecy in its work for Christ around the world? In your gifts and in your prayers, God bless you each and every one. Yes, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.